sounds so nice singing hope you continue in that mode of worship why don't you sing this song with me the power of your love lord i've come to you let my life be changed renewed flowing from the grace that i found in you I've come to know the weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your Like the eagle, 
and I will soar with you. Your spirit leads me on in the power of your love. Hold me close. Oh, hold me close and let your love another song shout to the Lord my Jesus my Savior Lord there is none like you all of my days I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love my comfort, my shelter, refuge and strength, and let every breath all that I am never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord all the earth and let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. The mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I'll sing for joy at the work of your hands. Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to parade the wonders of your mighty love. And my comfort, oh, my shelter, Power, refuge, and strength. Oh, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Sing it now. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. 
can play something softly. We're going to take our prayer request at this time. Uh, have a few special needs. We want to remember especially in prayer. Amen. There's a notice sent out to pray for Catherine Pritchard. Amen. And uh, we just want to let everyone know that she's doing well. Amen. Continue to hold her up in prayer this evening. Amen. I know that the family would appreciate that. If you would continue to remember Brother Ron Spencer in prayer. I'm sure he certainly needs and covets your prayers in his recovery. Man, remember the Claybills tonight? Uh, they're traveling uh, on a vacation, so we want to keep them in our prayers. And remember my Aunt Sherry in prayer, if you will. Uh, she fell recently, and um, I'm sure she's still dealing with a lot of pain, so we want to hold her up in prayer tonight. Amen. That's all I have at this time. I'm going to ask Brother Andy Irish if you'd make his way forward to take these needs before the Lord. Amen. Do you have unspoken prayer requests that you'd like to make known by uplifted hands? Amen. Just hold those on your heart, my friend, and we're going to pray with you. Precious Lord Jesus, with our heads bowed, Lord, we come before your throne of grace and mercy we would ask Lord that you forgive us forgive us today Father for anything we've done wrong whether it be a thought or a word or a deed against you and you only have we sinned Father and we ask that you just covered in that blood Father that precious blood that you shed for us at Calvary and Father tonight as a, as a body we take these prayer requests and we bind them together Father with prayer, with faith, and we bring them up to your throne, and we would ask that you would answer them, Father, according to your perfect will. We ask that you just touch little Catherine, Father. Lord, give her just a healing and complete touch, Lord. And Brother Ron Spencer, Father, just the battle that he's been fighting, Father. Give him victory, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we think of those that are traveling, Jeremy and his family. Just put a hedge of protection around them, Father. Lord, give them a time of rest, and we ask that you bring them back safely, Father. And Lord, for those of us that raised our hand, what is unspoken to us is always spoken to you. So, Lord, we ask that you would answer those prayers. And tonight, Father, when the man gets behind this pulpit, you know exactly what we have need of, Father. And I pray, Lord, you would open up the eyes and ears of our hearts to receive that peace that we need, Father, as individuals, as families, as a body, Father. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Andy. You may have your seats for a few moments. We're not going to take up too much more time. Amen. We're not going to take up an offering the way we normally would during this time. But just be aware there's a place in the back. The offering pan is there. For your tithes and your offerings, man, we certainly uh, want to support the ministry anywhere that we can. Man, the expenses continue to go on for the building and 
printing of the message around the world, and we just want to support that. Amen. Let's sing a few more songs just before we turn it over to Brother Barry. I'd like to sing that song, His Strength is Perfect, Key of F. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But sometimes I wonder what He can do success to show no glory of my own yet in my weakness he is there to let me Raised in 
praises to your name. I want you to sing this with all your hearts with me now as we invite Brother Barry to come and introduce the minister for this evening. Amen. Why don't you stand with me and sing. I sing praises to your name, O Lord, praises to your name, O Lord, for your name is I sing praises to your name, oh Lord, praises to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. Again now, I sing praises to your name, oh Everybody now, just block it all out today and just sing. Just worship Him tonight, saints. Praises to Your name, oh Lord, for Your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to Your name. Sweet. Thank you, Jesus. Sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name.
you welcome to the house of the Lord tonight. I have something to report to you, and that is that Sister Catherine Pritchard is doing much better. Much better. We're thankful for that. Let's sing that little uh, chorus as Brother Paul comes. I think he's going to sing with his daughter tonight. We're glad to have them with us uh, tonight. So let's just sing one more little chorus. Touching Jesus is all that really matters. And then we'll let Brother Paul sing for us. Aren't you glad to be in God's house tonight? Touching Jesus is all that really matters, and your life will never be the same, and there's only one way to touch Him. Just believe when you call on His name. Once again now, touching Jesus is all that really matters. Then your life will never be the There's only one way to touch Him. Just believe when you call on His name. Praise the Lord. I wonder, can you pray with me just real quick? Uh, Sister Amber was here uh, in service and left with chest pain. She's on her way to the hospital, so... Uh, we'd like to remember that need in prayer tonight. Pray with me if you don't mind. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence tonight. 
And thank you, Lord, because we can turn to you in every single situation. Lord, there's nothing that's too great for you. And so we place Sister Amber now at the throne of mercy and grace and healing, Lord, and ask that you would just undertake for her and give her that touch that she needs, Lord. We know that's just the hand of the enemy that would try to rob a believer of the blessing of service and being in the sanctuary with the saints. And so we curse that affliction in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray that you would touch her, heal her, raise her up, and restore her again, Lord, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're glad to have Brother Paul with us tonight. No stranger. But uh, you can be seated tonight. God bless you. But he and his daughter are going to sing. I don't know if they need anybody else, but um, you're good? Yep. You with you and Gabby? Okay, good. I hope you got the... uh, Notice, uh, it was emailed out to you tonight about the services on Wednesday night. And uh, just, um, we're going to see how doing a broadcast on Wednesday night uh, works. And if it works uh, well, we'll do that on the odd Wednesday nights where we uh, don't have normal service on the 2nd and 4th, right? So, but otherwise we'll have a regular uh roster of Wednesday night services, so that'll be good. I'd ask you to remember Brother Ron Spencer in prayer. Uh, Brother Ron has um, been ordered to rest, and uh, he said he's ruling the world from his armchair and um, just trying to let his body heal, and it's been very, very difficult for him, and, you know, he's a, he's a mover and a shaker and likes to get out and get going, And um, but we've stayed in contact with him and encouraged him uh, just to take that time to let his body heal because um, the, the older you get, there's still healing for the human body. It just comes around a little slower. That's all. But the healing is still there. The healing process is still there. And the healing promise is still there. But it just takes a little longer to kind of get a good firm grip on it. That's all. But uh, healing is healing, and we're just trusting that the Lord will give him a complete victory over that sickness. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm going to let Gabby, before we sing one together here tonight, she wrote something for my dad and her grandpa who passed away in January. And uh, so this song is special to her and uh, just how she expresses her heart and losing her grandpa who she feels. Oh, you go ahead and describe it. want to say something. Um, I didn't really um, say anything when it all happened <laughs> or like when we all got to say goodbye or anything. I just kind of was really silent about it because I really didn't know how I felt. And it was just, like, it was hard for me. Like, I wanted to write, but I couldn't because I just, every time I thought about it, I just cried. But um, basically, the song is just basically saying, like, why was it so hard for me to write words about such a great man? So it's kind of explaining it a bit. So (laughs) here it is. How could I not put into words 
Everything you talk to your going songbirds, all the little things I didn't take seriously. Every single moment I wanna get back with all we shared, I feel like I realize it was unspoken love, unspoken love, courageous, strong, my hero. Talk to your going songbirds, all the little things I didn't take seriously. Every single moment I want to get back with all we shared, I feel like I realize it was unspoken love, unspoken love. Because uh, Dad, you know, said I love you all the time, but if he had never said it, his life said it so much we all knew. So it was an unspoken love for sure, and that was the love of Christ. And we're down here uh, putting a few more songs uh, on recording in Asheville, and uh, so and then Gabby seeing her friends here. But it's good to be with you tonight, and Barry was gracious enough to let us uh, come and minister to you. And so we've been doing a few songs that are family-related uh, on the project. And uh, so we did this one the other day, and this is related to family as well. I wrote this years ago, and we're going to see if Gideon can uh, spit all the words out. Yeah, you got them in front of you, so... so. say that I was born again. I seen the word of the hour. I felt his glory and power as it took away my sin and shame. But I was just a little babe that the father had made. So he fed me and I started to grow. I found it not so strange when I began to change. All around they started letting me know. You're looking more like your father every day. Sure, a family resemblance on your face. I can see it in the way you're living, I can hear it in the things you say. You're looking more like. 
at me, tell me what do you see? There's an image that I want to display. Is it the word of a life, the very nature of Christ? Can you hear him in the things I say? He said the works that I do will be the same ones in you, so I'm believing that I'm one of his own. As I look in the mirror, it's becoming clear that in his likeness I have certainly grown. Oh, you're looking more like your father every day. Amen. There is your family resemblance on your face. I can see it in the way you're living. I can hear it in the things you say. Every day Oh, you're looking more like your father Every day There is your family resemblance On your face I can see it in the way you're living I can hear it in the things you say You're looking more like your father going to sing one more. Uh, Keith Keith requested a song, and he's not even here. <laughs> hey, kids, come and help me. Come back. Come back. Do you need, do you need anyone else? I'll get my kids tonight. Hey. Next uh, time. Okay. <laughs> Just a blessing. If I can remember the words to this.
like my captain. I have some wounds in the house of my friends. And sometimes in my mind, I struggle still. But He's healed me and I'm ready to carry out His will. Oh, I've been But I'm still a soldier The battle took its toll on me But never on my soul Standing ever with my Lord Until the war is over I've been wounded But I'm still a have a word of prayer as we turn it over to Brother Paul, and we want to remember Sister Arwen Cockman, who had knee surgery uh, Monday, and she's doing well, but uh, in that recovery phase, so we want to remember her in prayer. Three days after any surgery is when it really matters, so it's good for us to remember her in prayer. And I want you to keep your need as well before the Lord, because he's mindful of what you're going through and what you have need of. And I also know this one thing is true, that God does not grade us on, per, on the basis of performance. And I think that's really good. He doesn't have an attendance roster. Uh, he doesn't have a performance grid. He, he, I believe that many times we misunderstand how God uh, looks at us. And I really believe that what he wants to see is our lives in harmony with the word of the hour. That's what he's really after. You remember when Joshua and Caleb looked across the, uh, the, 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 into the promised land and they said, hey, we're more than able to take the land. 
We're more than able. This is not a problem because this is God's vision. And that's what God's vision was for the hour. And they were speaking in harmony with that. And when Korah and Nathan rose up and they said, hey, let's go back another way, that was contrary to the vision of the hour. They were not supposed to be going that way. They were supposed to be going this way. And God reacted very harshly to them because they were purposely trying to bring the people contrary to the word of the hour. So what you want to do is make sure that your life is moving in the direction of the bride of Christ, where we're supposed to be going. And you know what? It, it's not how much you can do and how much you know and how well you can sing. It has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with how good you preach and how good you look. Mm-hmm. It all has to do with your life in harmony with God's Word. That's what God wants to see, and that's what God loves. I'll tell you what, that's what God loves. Yes. So whatever your need is tonight, whether it's for sickness, whether it's for encouragement, or whether it's for uh, some loved one that you have or the future, uh, maybe you're overcome by fears or whatever it is that's on your heart. We believe that God cares about what you're going through. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we bow Jesus. in your presence and thank you so much for the little times we can get together. They're not fancy. They're not uh, structured. They're not scripted. They're just a people, Lord, just a people that are moved by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to hear the word of the Lord because that's what we're after, Lord, is to hear from the word of the hour. And, Lord, I pray that you would anoint Brother Paul tonight to speak to us. We thank you of Sister Arwen tonight and just lift her up before you and pray that your mercy would extend to her to grant her the healing touch she needs. Yes, Lord. Lord, we pray for Brother Paul that we would not hear from Brother Paul at all. But, Lord, we'd hear from you. And we give you this service. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Just one course of that would be good. Let's read together tonight from Matthew chapter 15. And we appreciate Brother Barry and you all opening your doors tonight to us, to this Wednesday night, just uh, dropping through. And so we appreciate him giving us the pulpit. And uh, we came in last night and uh, had some good fellowship with Brother Aaron and Sister Elizabeth. And they certainly made me some good, really good ribs, which I didn't need, but uh, enjoyed it anyway. But we appreciate their hospitality and the time. We don't get enough time together these days uh, with Brother Barry or here or all of our friends, uh, we're all in a busy time for the Lord. But it's good to be with you tonight. God bless you, each one. And uh, we'll just be praying that we could uh, just lend our, our shoulders to the wheel here a little bit tonight. And you've come out to hungry for the Word of God, and we can just uh, contribute to your spiritual walk. That's what we want to do. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 15, verse 39. And I'm just ending up the chapter there, and then we'll go right into chapter 16. And it says at the end of 39... 
or excuse me, at the end of 15, verse 39, and he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. Magdala. So I was just grabbing that to show where he was coming into. Chapter 16 says, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but ye cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. And when his disciples were come together to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus, now coming right out of a conversation with the Pharisees, Jesus refers to the bread, but something with the Pharisees, he said, take Heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Through the next few scriptures, they think he's speaking of the bread, but then they understood in verse 12, then understood they how he bade them not beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So he's just had a conversation where they're seeking a sign from heaven, the religious leaders, And then he takes the bread that they're talking about and says, beware of the leaven or the doctrine of the Pharisees. So we need to be aware of that as Jesus taught us to do. I'm going to read one more scripture before we seated. And that's in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 18. And, uh, you know, there's so many different directions the Lord or I was feeling to go today. And there's so many things to talk about, current events and what's happening even in our cities here the last few uh, last week and uh, so we were on that Sunday talking a little bit about it from the scripture but we're going to leave that I'm sure your pastor will be talking about some of those things and he's very of course very capable to do that and I just kept feeling led in this simple direction here tonight so Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 18 is one verse that says behold I and the children whom the Lord hath given me remember this is the prophet speaking Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion. I and the children that God has given me are the signs and wonders. Amen. May God bless his word tonight. You may be seated. I'm going to go back to uh, one thing that I really enjoyed last year. I had a wonderful year last year, and one of them was going to Israel with Brother Barry and Sister Becky and the different ones from this church and those who went on the tour. And uh, it was a highlight of my life. I really, really uh, enjoyed it. And that was one of the greatest things last year, besides, besides my first granddaughter coming. That's number one. Does anybody want to see pictures at all of that? Oh, this isn't the time or the place, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I know you show yours. <laughs> uh, besides that, though, Israel was, uh, I don't know if I ever get to go back, but it was a trip of a lifetime. And for me, I preached a few sermons on it when I got home because each place that we went to was just such a deep meaning to me, not only being there in some of the places where Jesus was, uh, but it had a real spiritual meaning to me. It had a real, it had a, a theme to it. And so when I come home, I took each of the cities and places that we were. It really moved me deeply at some of the places. Uh, like, for example, Nazareth, who um, we know that the scripture says that uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth. Nazareth had a bad connotation to it. 
and people looked down on it. It wasn't a city that was very desirable. And still to this day, when you went and looked at it, it's not a very desirable city. And, uh, it's, uh, and yet this is where Jesus come from. And that's why there was this whole thing, all of Jesus' life, that he had kind of a bad connotation coming from there. The people didn't trust him. His past, oh, he's from Nazareth. So they didn't trust him. And, and, and you know, often people do that to us. They view us in light of our past or where we come from. And uh, so it's God, though, that views us of our future. Can you say amen? And what our potential is. So I got a little things out of all those little meanings, you know, in the cities and different things. And one of the places I think I enjoyed the most was to be in the little uh, village there of Magdala. And, it's, and when you go to Israel, I'm sure your pastors mentioned this, then you, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and places, everything just becomes more alive. Because when you see it say the city of Magdala, or see it say Nazareth, it just means so much more because you were there, and you've seen, uh, seen the place. And it just comes alive a little bit more. And when we came to this uh, place in Magdala, I wanted to talk a little bit about it. Um, this is where... Uh, that, that we find Mary. I want to speak a little bit about Magdala, and I want to title this tonight, Simple Signs That Are Overlooked. Simple Signs That Are Overlooked. How many knows Brother Brown preached on a true sign overlooked? And uh, so that's the nature of man to overlook when God is doing something, to overlook and to miss what God is doing. And to become blinded by other things. And a way that you can become blinded is you're looking for the wrong thing. You're looking for a certain thing and God's doing something else. Everybody understand? And we all can do that. And uh, we'll go through things. Like, for example, the last thing that we've been through here and what our country is going through. And the virus and all these other things. And if we're not really sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we can tend to react a whole lot of ways but uh, God is doing something. The wheels of prophecy are moving forward. Can you say amen? And we can react like the world or we can react carnal. It's interesting how, how it brings, for my congregation and just different ones, what it brings out of people. But we need to stay in tune with the Spirit because God's always doing something. And God always has a purpose for everything. And for the believer's life, the world reacts a certain way. But for your life, God orders certain things to bring out in us what's in us. Can you say amen? And sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. But nevertheless, we must not overlook what God is doing. Or we'll become carnal. And if through anything, God has something He's doing, but quite often we miss. And, and then the prophet taught us, and God is revealed and hidden in simplicity. He taught us that that's the way God reveals Himself, is in simplicity. So when we become complicated or we make something complicated, then we can miss God. I know that's simple, but when we complicate it or a denomination complicates it or you and your mind complicate the message, you can miss God because God is hidden and revealed in what? Simplicity. And once we lose the simplicity of something, whether it's the message or anything else, we can miss God because He always reveals Himself in simplicity. And also in that message is what we'll get to tonight. Also, it's not just that the message is simple. It's not just that Christ comes in a simple way, but His people are simple as well. Because you can have the simplicity of Christ and the message is simple, but the person is complicated. And God can't get to them because they're not simple. I believe He comes to a simple people. And I don't mean dumb. I mean they're a humble people. They're a receivable people. When we get religious pride, we shut off the flow of God speaking more to us. 
And so Magdala, simple signs they overlook. Now, when Jesus began his ministry, most of you know this, and you really learn it when you look at the map of Israel, is that when he began his ministry, he didn't head directly to Jerusalem. Remember, he started at 30 years old. We would think he'd be led to the most religious city. But he did not go right to Jerusalem. He actually headed towards around the Sea of Galilee, and most of his ministry began to take place. And around the Sea of Galilee was farmers and fishermen. And that's who Jesus took his ministry to first. That's where he headed first. All the little things we traveled all around there and all the initial ministry that he did and called his disciples there at the Sea of Galilee. Everything took place there, not in Jerusalem, not with the religious leaders, not at the most popular religious place. Jesus didn't go there. He chose his disciples out of these little villages and synagogues that were around, and he was delivering people and healing people, and his ministry was not in the main focus or the main thing of what was going on religiously. We would call uh, Jesus, was uh, what they call today, is an outlier, a person or thing situated away or detached from the main body or the main system. That's what an outlier is. And uh, God has always done that. How many know that? God has always come outside the established system. God has always come outside the camp. When something becomes too complicated or too much of a system, God always comes around that and comes, comes a different way. Can you say amen? And he goes, he, he goes away from the big churches and the big systems and the very ones that were crying for the Messiah. Uh, as far as the religious leaders, he, he went around that and he didn't come to them first. The ones that even today people pray for revival. People are looking for Christ to come. But God will not come in his nature to the major mega things that are going on. He'll come a simpler way. We understand those things. And so uh, just because you are an established system never means that there's a guarantee he's coming to you. Because Jesus uh, showed his nature by coming around this coast of Galilee, which was mostly farmers and fishermen, as I said. And uh, if if the religious leaders in Jerusalem heard that was something going on, they had to travel out to him. John the Baptist was one. He's out there in the Jordan. And they, in order to see him, he didn't come there. They had to travel out to see what was going on. That's what they did. They, they come all the way to make the trip and see what this crazy man was all about, John the Baptist. And so none, none of this stuff took place in the main religious areas. And it wasn't until the end of Jesus' ministry that he travels to Jerusalem because the word said that he had to. The word said he had to go there. Can you say amen? And he had to be crucified by that main religious system. So he went there at the end, but his ministry was not to them. And he knew that. He, he said it. He that is whole needeth not a physician. He came to those who wanted help. He didn't go to the ones that had it all figured out. He didn't go to the ones that had it all figured out in their minds. He didn't even come to them. He said, he, this whole doesn't need a fish. They've got it all figured out. they got it all in place. They don't need any help. God doesn't come to that. He comes to those who need help. Humbly saying, God, I'm crying out for you. I need you. Let's remember that in our lives. When we, uh, when we get away from our need of Him, we've really got away from Him. We're in our dependence on Him. So we we just pick up the story here in Magdala and uh, just talk about it a little bit. And, and there are some 
when we come there, the reason I was so moved is because there was something real special to me. I tried to get the pictures to Brother Barry and get him back there so you could see him tonight, but I'm sure he can show you. But one of the special things, and Magdala was, of course, says an ancient city on the shore of Sea of Galilee, three miles from north of Tiberias. And uh, it, it says here with some uh, historical uh, uh, different things that's taken place there. Uh, I'm just reading some a little bit of uh, uh, information on it. But the one I wanted to get to is this discovery. Archaeological excavations on behalf of the Israel Antiquities Authority conducted in 2006 found that the settlement began during the Hellenistic period and ended during the late Roman period. Later in, uh, 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 excavations in 2009 through 2013 brought perhaps the most important discovery uh, uh, in the site. An ancient synagogue called the Migdal Synagogue. Is that the way you say it, Barry? Migdal Synagogue. It is the oldest synagogue found in Galilee. And one of the only synagogues from the period found in the entire, from that period found in the entire country as of the time of the excavation. They also found the Magdala stone, which was the seven branded menorah symbol carved on it. I had a picture to show you tonight. It is the earliest menorah of that period to be discovered outside of Jerusalem. So this is real special to me because, you know, a lot of places where well, Jesus was there, we don't know if he was there. Probably 99% sure that this little synagogue that they discovered in Magdala, more likely this is an authentic thing where Jesus was there. So I was just moved to tears. I wanted to stay there for a while because I realized this, you know, and, and, and if, if I could show you the pictures, it's, it's a lot smaller than what you would imagine with a gathering of maybe 40, 50 people is all you can fit. And they put this stone, when they had synagogues, they put the stone in the middle and uh, the priest would pull the scroll out in the stone and he would stand in the middle of the people and the people were gathered in uh, seats around the stone and the, and the priest would teach and he would, uh, they would discuss things about the word and he would read it right out of the scroll and they would discuss things. It wasn't like the temple... The temple where they went to worship in Jerusalem, the synagogues weren't like that. The synagogues became like that after the, the temple, and this is what our, our guide said, the synagogues were changed to temple-looking things after their temple was destroyed in AD 70. And we visited one in Caper Capernaum. It looked like a temple. It didn't look like this original synagogue. So there was a big difference in how they, uh, how they did it before uh, the temple was destroyed. And I was just moved by how this, this is it. It, it's, it doesn't look like a church. It doesn't look like a temple where we worship. And, and, a lot, and the temple, it resembled the old temple, but a lot of times the new temples that come start to resemble the Catholic church and all these big cathedrals and these big pillars and everything. It just, it began to borrow from different religions and all these other things. But the synagogue wasn't like that at all. And the, and the people would gather. And these are the places that Jesus, no doubt, ministered to most of the people. That he came in, the Bible says it, he visited the synagogues around Galilee and he would come in and the priests would no doubt let him discuss things and talk about the word. This is where his ministry began. It wasn't some big temple with a lot of religious people. It was just a little place. That's my Lord. And they, they just discussed things and they talked about the word. And I was sitting there just weeping and saying, I'd give a million dollars to have one moment to sit and listen to Jesus sitting on that side and just just taking. And he's just sitting there as a man just sharing out of the word of God. I would have loved to be there. 
Amen. It, it just really moved me, and it was just a, such a special place to me, and, and uh, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, being there specifically. So uh, it's probably one of the most sure places Jesus, Jesus would have went. But as I said, it wasn't like the temple. And uh, after the destroying of the temple, they tried to make a replica of the temple because they didn't have a temple in Jerusalem anymore. So they tried to make their synagogues look like a replica of the temple. But before, it was a gathering place for fellowship, for discussion of Torah. Don't be against fellowship around the Word. The people of God, people of God love that. Can you say amen? And sometimes it's always not just a sermon or just preaching as we know preaching is normal. Sometimes God can speak through just sharing the Word of God with one another. Sometimes it's instruction. Sometimes it's just simple teaching. You know, we get in certain forms of things. And I believe in church order, and I wouldn't dump out church order. But we just have to see things a certain way, and we've always seen it that way, and church has to be a certain way. But if we go back in other generations, even when Jesus was there, it isn't quite like we have it today. And I would safely say we borrowed from a lot of traditions. Oh, I don't want to get in trouble for saying this. We borrowed from a lot of traditions. Brother Bram said even an altar call was a traditional thing. But we still have them because God convicts. Can you say amen? We still have those things, but we should be careful not to make traditions. And it's got to be this way for church, and it's got to be that way. And if it's not that way, I'm not, I'm not sticking around. Uh, if you live back in that day, even in the book of Acts, uh, I think you'd be surprised. And by the way, they met in homes for most of the book of Acts. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So... We don't want to get in a certain mold or, you know, a certain tradition. So now, as we look at then, see how the synagogue then was changed, was, was temple-like. But you see, the ones before that were more simple. And Jesus did, came to these synagogues. He didn't come to the temple. He came to these synagogues uh, more so and did his ministry there more so than the main temple. It wasn't until the end of his ministry that he did that. So God in simplicity once again. So now go with me if you would and let's read in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And jo, uh, Joanna, the wife of, I don't, can't pronounce that one, somebody's steward, and Susanna and many others, which, this is what these women did, ministered unto him of their substance. So it's here not just the twelve disciples mentioned, but the women that were following Jesus too. Now, you know the story of Mary Magdalene. She wasn't a good woman to start out with, but she must have stumbled into one of those synagogues, or Jesus must have found her in Magdala, and God delivered her from seven devils. And she started to follow Jesus. And all these women started to follow and begin to do what they could for the kingdom of God. It ministered unto him of their substance. So they've become women, but she didn't start that way. She had to be delivered. She was delivered of seven devils. And so here we find Mary came from this. And, and so now I want to look at the Pharisees coming into Magdala, criticizing Jesus and specifically asking 
for them to see a sign. If you're the Messiah, show us a sign. And I want to just point it out simply to you tonight that there were all kinds of signs going on. And they were overlooking them. In Magdala. This can't happen here. It's supposed to happen back. This can't, why, are, why are we even out here seeing this guy? Because this can't happen unless it's with us in the temple and the big leagues and the big... No, no, it, it, it wasn't. It was happening there. While they were asking for a sign, the signs were taking place. And I'll tell you, Mary was one of them. Mary was one of them, and they completely overlooked her, probably walked right past her, walked past the disciples. All the women that were following him walked right past, went up, we want to see a sign. We're focused on one thing. We want to see a sign to prove you're the Messiah. And Jesus could have said, look around, boys. Look around. And I'm referring to the scripture, Isaiah says, my people are for signs and wonders. Can you say Amen. My people are for signs. Now, God can do signs and wonders, but the greatest signs and wonders is God reflects His own character to this world through His people. But most of the world overlooks that. Because they don't get the revelation, this is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's trying to be like Jesus and wear a little bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? Try to, try to govern your life by Jesus. Read Matthew, look, Mark, Luke, and John and try to follow and be like Jesus. It's not being like Jesus. It's being Jesus by a new birth. Denominations miss that, that we're trying to look at the Bible and be more like Jesus. No, we are Christ. We're part of Christ. I'm one of those expressions of Him. Can you say amen? I was in Him when He went to Calvary. I was in Him when He went to Magda. I was in Him by representation. Praise the Lord. This is not just trying to be like Jesus. This is being Jesus. And that's why Brother Bram says, how I treat my brother, I'm treating Christ. That's how real this should be to us. I got a song on the new album. I don't want to let too much of it out, but the Lord just gave it to me a couple days ago, and we laid the tracks yesterday. And it just says, we are a family of royalty. Sons and daughters of the King." Can you say amen? And we've got to see each other that way or we lose respect for one another. But this Mary, she's one of the signs the Pharisees are looking at. They came to him and seeking a sign from heaven. But right under their noses, things were happening all over the place. Real signs, real godly signs, real signs of, of what they should have been looking for. And here is one woman that was called Mary and she had seven devils cast out of her. She was delivered of those things. Now, when we think of this one, I want to focus on Mary a minute, Mary Magdala, uh, of Magdala. And we, when we think of demons, we usually think of demons uh, in the physical realm because we can see those. And we would think, well, she had this or she had some infirmity. But when Brother Branham refers to Ma- uh, Mary Magdalene, he points to what the demons she was delivered of. And it's quite interesting what demons she was delivered of. And he says here, um, I'm going to read it. We would think demons of physical body, but when the prophet refers to it, it's not physical. And you know, Jesus dealt with the harlots. Can you say amen? Jesus delivered the harlots. Jesus' uh, hand was reached out to them to deliver them. But this particular harlot, and we know that they had uh, their physical life was not right as a harlot, as an ill-famed woman, all these women. But you see, when Mary come along, she was delivered of different things. She was delivered of that, I'm sure. 
But when Brother Brandon mentions her, he says in Questions and Answers in 1953, Jesus cast seven of them out of Mary Magdalene. Pride. Boast. Big people. Unclean. Filthy. Vulgarity. Emulations. Strife. And all these things. He goes on and says it again uh, here in 53. And go tell my disciples, Mary Magdalene, she had... She had knew his power. She knew there was something about him that was different from anyone else. She had seven devils cast out of her. Everybody that's ever been free from the devil by the power of Jesus Christ knows where they're standing. No one can ever come in his great divine presence and ever be the same person anymore. You're changed. There's something that happens to you. And you can stand off in psychology and imagine this and accept this, a certain thing, and some theories or something like that. But we don't believe in theology. We believe in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you come into his presence, there's something that happens in your life that changes you. And you're never the same anymore. A man that's ever been in the presence of Christ. So she had seven devils cast out of her. Pride. Envy. And she thought she was so pretty. Never heard Brother Brown refer to it that way. But he's... He's give him the authority of a prophet to diagnose what this woman had in her. We'd say, well, she's a harlot. We know she what she did. But she needed to be delivered of more than harlotry. She had envy. She had pride. She had this thing that he described, I'm, I'm real pretty. Or how does he word it here? He says, she thought she was so pretty and there was no one else like her. Yeah. Eh, we got that spirit still around today. We've got people that still need to be delivered from that devil. A pride that says you're so pretty and there's no one else like me. Brother Barry and I don't have to worry about that. We don't have that pride. We have other things probably, but not that one worried about that we're too good looking. But when Jesus spoke, be thou clean to this woman, all that left her. And she become a new person. She wasn't so pretty anymore in her own sight, but she wrapped herself in the robe of meekness and gentleness and followed the Master. She loved Him. You know, I don't usually promote any movies or anything. Brother Bram talked about Ten Commandments, but somebody handed me a series called Chosen here a few months ago. And uh, I, I probably shouldn't suggest this, but it's, it's really done well in Jesus' life so far. And they take a segment here on Mary Magdalene. It was very real, done very well. But it was amazing to see what how God changed her. And and she acts it out very well, how that she went from that kind of woman and was completely changed and began to follow Jesus. It was a complete change in her mannerisms, everything. It was just tremendous uh, to watch it that way. It was a wonderful uh, picture of her. But we learn from this that demons can hide, demons can hide in even churches. Can you say amen? Demons can hide places. And they're hiding in this woman. But, but you see, in the presence of Christ, demons can get nervous. They get fidgety. Can you say amen? And, and, and so now the physical ones, we can see that. We can see what happens. But it's many times these, these ones that aren't physical that we can't see God still needs to deliver from. And she simply comes. She gets around Jesus. She's completely delivered, completely changed. And we don't know, but she's probably standing there with the other ones 
in Magdala when Jesus is there and teaching and these Pharisees walk in completely are missing the real signs that God's doing. They're waiting for something. And I, it's, it's, it's typical of man to, to be probing at the next thing. And, and here's what we got. We got the word here and we're speculating on what's coming and we're looking for this sign to come. Men have done it for many, many years. And while they're doing it, missing the true signs of God. You're, tonight, if you're delivered and have a new birth, delivered of God, you're a sign of the Lord. And through the years, we come through the Pentecostal ranks, and they're really sign seekers, and they're looking for signs and wonders. And we're never supposed to seek the signs. The Bible doesn't say we seek the signs. The signs follow them that believe. We don't follow the signs. The signs follow us. And that's what the Bible says, and I believe it, and we're praying with faith. We see signs following them that believe. But tonight we're seeing that the real signs is a changed life by the Holy Ghost, and that person becomes such a change, they become God's greatest sign to this world that He's here. You're, you're the great. We, so many years in Pentecost, we're looking for signs, looking for signs. But when you're living a life filled with the Holy Spirit every day, you're a sign to this world. And when we get on the other side, people will say, where was the signs and wonders? Where was the proof that God was there? Where's the vindication? And I wonder if God's going to point to His own people and say, look at those people. You missed it. You overlooked what I was trying to express, and you, and you completely missed it. I wonder if it's going to be that way. And, but we don't want to miss it. Can you say, man? We want to look at what God's looking at through this message. We don't want to overlook what He's doing when we're, we're looking for something big or we're looking for something that's going to be great or looking for the next big, great thing. We want to be careful of that because God reveals Himself in simplicity. And so... You know, um, I'm just going to skip down here, not be very long here tonight at all. Hopefully I get, you're getting a blessing out of this tonight. Just sharing the word a little bit. So, you know, um, I'm just going to read, read this thing also he said about Mary Magdalene in 1954 in Questions and Answers. Mary Magdalene didn't realize the spirits that was on her. So... I find a lot of people, they need to be delivered, but they don't know they need to be delivered. And when you're talking things like pride and hidden things like that, a lot of cases people don't know that they have those spirits. Until they come in the presence of the Lord, the preaching of the word, and all of a sudden now things begin to be exposed. Religious spirits, everything else becomes exposed. And it's not like they have to go through ten weeks of therapy to get rid of it. They just got to surrender to the presence of the Lord. And they'll be delivered of that pride. They'll be delivered of those things. But he, she didn't realize those spirits was on her. Well, now when you get that kind of a spirit on you, or men, you get out here and you start lusting for women. And you say, well, that's human nature. It's human nature. Not like that. No, it's a spirit. The spirit said it was a, the Bible says that was a spirit. That's right. So the thing to do then, the blood of Jesus Christ, cleanses you from lust and passion. It's called sanctification. The word sanctification means to be cleaned and set aside for service. And uh, now you get what I'm now that lust spirit leaves you under sanctification. Let a little lady nice goes to church. She sings in the choir, but she has to mow grass with a little pair of shorts on. Let her get sanctified one time and let her put on 
let her put on a pair. See, let that man, though, almost have a wreck looking at that woman in the yard. And let him get sanctified one time, though, and go down the street. He'll keep his mind on what he's doing. That's exactly right. If, if he gazes sideways, he'll turn his head this way. The Holy Spirit says, turn your head. That's it. See, there you are. See, that's right. That's sanctification. So when God begins to sanctify a life, then he goes deep in our lives and he not only does outward things, the smoking, the drinking, the habits, the, all this stuff, but he goes deep in our lives to that which is in the spirit that you don't even know is there. I'm convinced, friends, we're under a Holy Spirit dealing with us today that is not dealing anymore on a surface level. This spirit goes deep. How deep, it, how deep does it go? The sword of the spirit, he says, it cuts to the dividing asunder to even the soul and spirit. It can go deeper, deeper than you ever imagined into your life. Exposing things you didn't even know was there and bringing them out. And it's painful sometimes. When you're talking a sword, you're talking about painful. We're talking about cutting. But the cutting is good because it's cutting out of your life what doesn't need to be there. There's only a few people on the face of the earth willing to go through the sword coming in your life and cutting things off. But there's a group of people that's letting the word do it. And it delivers you from things sometimes you don't even realize you need deliverance from. Just under the preaching of the word and receiving it, God delivers you. Those things are shed off your life and including internal things of pride and I'm better than everyone else. Some of these things that, uh, that Mary had, we would be surprised that she had those things within her, but she had them. Not only the harlotry, but things within her that were uh, lustful and things that we wouldn't imagine. So now, Jesus was... Let me say it this way as we bring this to a close. Jesus was uh, the sign. How many believe Jesus was a sign? Amen. And they overlooked him. They're asking for a sign. They're overlooking him. But you see, Jesus was a sign. But Mary Magdalene was also a sign that was overlooked. So not only did they miss Christ, not only did this generation miss Christ, the message that's come, but they're still missing it. Because they're missing the people of God that are God's signs to this generation. Say, well, all the signs went with Brother Branham and he went and there's no more signs. No, 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 you're missing it. I'm preaching to some of them here tonight. Signs and wonders. My people are for signs and wonders. The world will miss it. But let's not miss it. And let's respect the fact that God is in our brothers and sisters. God is in his body. God is in his people. And that's a pretty important position to be a sign of the end time. Pretty important position. I'm a sign of the end time. I'm a sign this thing's about ready to wrap up. I'm a sign of the message. If they never read a message book, I'm a sign that the message was true. People are saying, I need vindication. You ought to live a life that you're the vindication of what this message is. The change in my life, what he's done in my life through Christ the message. What he's, what he's, what he's done to my family. Can you say amen? You don't need any more vindication than that. God says, that's my vindication. That's my people. That's what I've tried to produce through sending my prophet, through sending the message. And that's why Isaiah said, my people, uh, my people that have come through the message back to the Lord through my message. My people are for signs and for wonders. Take a look at what God is doing. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Mary was also a sign that was overlooked by the Pharisees. You know, for years we get caught up in the signs that God has blessed us in. The sign, the cloud in the sky. I believe he said he would send signs. 
we've received signs. The cloud is a sign from God at this end time. That's our Lord up there. Returning. Can you say amen? We believe that. But it's amazing how sometimes in the message we get caught up in those types of signs. Even as the, as the proof. And I, I just say this respectfully. There are certain ones that were only caught up in that sign. And because they're only caught up in that sign, many of them fall away. Because all their eggs are in that sign. And so then the devil comes along and says, but did that really happen? You better check it out. There was a rocket out there in Arizona. And so, they, and so because all their, their trust is in that type of sign... I'm not so sure that sign was just for us. I believe it was for the world. Can you say amen? And I understand it was for us, but I'm not so sure that's what all we do because people depend only on that. But we can't miss the real signs God is sending. They're not even in the message anymore, many of them, because the devil poked holes in that sign. They put all their trust in that sign. Now, maybe it didn't happen. It could have, it could have made it didn't. Listen, I believe God has some solid signs for us to look at. And they're not something like that. Not those, uh, those, uh, there should be signs in the heaven. That's what that scripture comes from. That's why we had that. Because Jesus said there'll be signs in the heaven in the end time. But you see now, the real thing is when somebody is praying for deliverance and you can see they've been completely delivered by the power of God. And that's when his people become signs and wonders. That's the real ones. That's the ones we should look at, be looking at. That's the ones that when we preach, and I just shared with our minister brothers, just over a Zoom meeting, and I was sharing out of 1 Timothy 1. I was sharing this with Brother Aaron last night. And uh, I was just sharing with them, you know, we get snagged at the results of our preaching sometimes. We get to looking for certain things and looking for this and looking for that. And Paul said, don't get into fusses. Don't be stewing with one another. Don't be debating this thing. This message is not to be debated. That's when ministers become carnal. It becomes a big debate. And who can impress one another to the next level? And then he points them. Can I read it? I was reading it last night and I forgot uh, how, to, how it was worded. And Brother Aaron had to pull it up. And here I am having to pull it up to you tonight. But it's, it's, it's real simple. It's First Timothy 1. And he's teaching a young minister, of course, there. Um, and he says in 1 Timothy 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of our God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and out of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved. Now he's talking about preachers. Okay? He's talking about preachers in that day. That some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling. You read that up in the Amplified in the, in the Greek, you see what these things. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor whereof they affirm. But we know, uh, and so he goes on teaching some other things there. But, but you see now, what, what did he point to? The end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. 
We're to teach the people, but we're to be looking for the true fruit that comes from the message. And the fruit is not, dis, not debates. The fruit is not tension. The fruit is not getting all the genealogies and get all this. To, now, when, when we're fighting about that, and I, I said it to him, the, 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 the social media world, with all of its good, is the worst place of debate. Because people don't have to be face to face. And everybody can just share their ideas as if they come from God, too. It's terrible. It's a place of debate. It's a place of going back and forth. And, and it's just the fussing of it all the time. And Brother Bram encouraged us not to fuss with the word and not to fuss with one another. How many remember that? This is not what this message is. The end result of this message is not to just keep fussing about doctrine. Stop fussing with one another. But he says the end of it is charity out of a pure heart. He's giving us the very end of the, the, the final thing of what this message is supposed to produce. And when we teach and preach, that's what we should be looking for in the people. That's the sign we should be looking for. And if we see it go a different direction, it becomes denominational. It becomes a different fruit than what God intended for it to bring out. My people are for signs. And you look at the character of the people growing, maturing, treating one another better. When we're growing into that, and there's a nucleus growing that way, then we know that that's a sign of the vindication of the message. Can you say amen? We know that that's what God sent this message for. Praise the Lord. And so he says, as I'm closing tonight, in True Sign Overlooked, 1961, God is sovereign and he sends his prophet to be a sign. The people won't read. They don't care to read and they won't pray because they got other things to do. They can't take time to pray and the Bible is boresome to them. It hasn't got enough action for these modern days or any days. You know, I believe it was Paul that said, ye are epistles of God read of all men. And then Brother Bram says, God uses people for signs. To show his signs. And many times that sign, and every time mostly, unless it's with the elected people, that sign is overlooked and criticized, made fun of, cast out. He's in the message, true sign is overlooked. And he's saying God uses people for signs. And this is what this woman of Magdala was. It was a simple synagogue. It didn't look like a temple was a discussion with the Lord as he just talked to them over the word. And people like Mary that needed deliverance came in, felt comfortable enough to be around Jesus. And I don't know how long it took, but she was completely delivered. Can you say amen? She's got a mystery on her life because she was delivered from seven devils. Seven is the mystery of the bride. But the bride of the last, time, the bride of the last days overcomes all seven of the ages traps before her. So she had to be delivered of seven devils if she's a type of the bride because we will overcome all of what the ages before us overcome. And you say amen. And so she's delivered of all of it. She receives all the previous rewards as well, the bride of the last days. And the Bible says here he, she was giving substance, these women, to Jesus, helping him out. And, and one writer called her the apostle of the apostles. That's what one writer called Mary Magdalene, the apostle of the apostles. I'll leave you with this. Guess who was the first one to see the empty tomb? 
Guess who Jesus talked to first in the resurrection? Guess who reported the resurrected Christ first to two disciples? They wouldn't believe her. Guess whose name has been mentioned for 2,000 years at Easter time? I'll tell you, it's a no-name woman that was a harlot and needed to be delivered to seven devils. It's nobody popular. It's a no-name woman named Mary of Magdala who was delivered and served and knew the reality of God's kingdom and God's deliverance. And I believe she was the sign, one of the many signs that the Pharisees walked in that day and completely overlooked. She was in the group that would witness and be in be witnessing the resurrection. I believe she's the type of the bride that we not only will witness the resurrection, but we will be in the resurrection. Can you say, let the world laugh at us all they want to. They're missing the true signs that are here. Here's a woman that was in her state, and she was that much a part of the resurrection. I can't help believe she was a type of the bride that we are part of and will be in the resurrection ourselves. You love them tonight? Praise the Lord. I appreciate your attentiveness. Let's, let's just stand if you would, and I trust that was an enrichment to you tonight, a blessing to you. And uh, don't overlook God's simple signs. Don't overlook God's simple way of dealing with simple people. And uh, don't be looking for the big things all the time because God can do wondrous things in a little Wednesday night like this. Be looking for what God is doing in our lives. Father, we thank you that you have called us. We thank you, Lord, that, that you can take a people of this generation with so many different backgrounds and so many different people and some good backgrounds, some bad, some badder than others. But, Lord, that doesn't matter when it comes to the grace of God and becomes to election. You called us, Lord, to this glorious message, and we're thankful tonight. And, Lord, as we are, we're carrying this message on to the coming of the Lord and carrying it on to finish this race, we want to be good representatives of it, Lord. We, we want to make sure that we're uh, manifesting as your prophet's gone now, we want to manifest the very best of what the representation of what this message would be. It's going to be criticized. It already is. No doubt, Lord, we'll be in the news someday. It's bound to happen. Lord, our churches will be in the news and we'll be labeled with certain radical groups. Lord, no doubt that's going to come someday. Lord, may we live such lives that the, the, the person that's observing from a distance May we live such lives that they won't even believe what the news says, but they'll look at our lives and say, that's not true. That's true Christians. That's true believers. If there ever was a person that manifested Jesus Christ, it's that brother, it's that sister, it's that family, it's that teenager. May they not believe the news and all that's said about us, but may they believe the life that we live. May we be a sign and a wonder to this world, I pray, Father that people could look and see. Thank you, Lord. May this as it deposited tonight to the hearts of the people. May it bring forth fruit from our lives. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. 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 God bless you, Brother Barry. UNF there. Because he lives
scriptures tonight and I was thinking of Matthew chapter 12 when you get home you can take a look at it and all these miracles are done by Jesus through there the man with the withered hand and a number of different notable miracles are done and right towards the end of the chapter they come to Jesus and they say show us a sign 
Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And he said, there'll be no sign given to you except two people. One of them is Jonas. And the second one was the Queen of Sheba. So with all the great signs and wonders that were done in Jesus' ministry, he doesn't point the people to them. He points, rather, to two people and says, go look at Jonas. Sign of the resurrection. What he did in going out to the people. And then the Queen of Sheba and how she came to Solomon's house. He said, that's the only sign you're going to be given. is two people. All right, just think about this now, just for a moment. And you can go home thinking about this tonight. If God needed to point the people to a sign in this generation, he'd say, I want you to go and watch this guy right here. That's a sign. I want you to watch this brother right here, this sister right here. That's a sign you're going to be given. Not all the great signs that happen out there in the world. Go look in the lives of those people there that have been completely transformed by the power of God. It's not their own self-determination. It's not their own iron will. It's the transforming power of Almighty God who lives and reigns today the same as He ever did. That's the sign you need to be looking for. Yes, are there signs and wonders in the world? Absolutely. Are there are natures changing? Everything is changing out there. But you know what God uses as a powerful demonstration of the reality of the presence of God in our lives? He, he points to people. Once we're lost, now we're found. Now they can sing differently. They sing it like this. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. Let's sing that tonight. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty. I do not know just why he came to love me so, but he looked beyond my fault and he saw you have spoken to us, Lord, a line upon line, and here a little, and there a little. 
And Lord, you're building something great in our lives. You're building something great out of our lives. And Father, we just want to say that, Lord, with all of our heart, we just want to be more in love with you than ever before. We don't always need to understand everything. But Lord, we want to fall in love with you more than ever before. And so, Father, I just pray you draw near, Lord, to each one. And Lord, we think of those who are sick tonight and need your help, need your touch. May your healing virtue flow to them and minister to their needs today. Lord, those that are in the assembly and those that are listening and those that are, uh, Lord, away from us tonight, we commit them to you. You are great. You are wonderful. You're all-powerful. And we are so glad, Lord, that we know you. So glad that we walk with you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your people. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this night together. And we'll give you thanks and praise and ask your blessing upon us as we leave this place. Bless Brother Paul and his family and the work that he does for the kingdom. We commit him to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. you go tonight. May God bless you. Take a little of this with you as you go and bring it back on the weekend. May God bless you. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. We thank you all for coming tonight. May God bless you. Sing this as we go tonight. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his Amen.